Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Hey, Sean, I'm just answering a text here. Uh, yes, you're very, sec, you're, uh, you're a very important person. Yeah, well, it's a big night for curling. <laughs> yeah. Here at the Ottawa Curling Club. And a big night for Canada, right, Sean? It's election night. It is election night here in Canada. And uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the People's Broadcaster, yeah. has just uh, projected a liberal minority government as we record this at about 10.30 Eastern time here at the Ottawa Curling Club. And we'll see if that projection holds. Projections tend to hold, but not yeah, always. That would be pretty funny if, if it was not right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I feel the only time that ever happened was with uh, Bush Gore in 2000. Well, Scott, I am a professional oh, historian. Oh, tell me more. Uh, of course, there is, of course, the famous election with uh, Truman and Dewey. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. right. Where, where Truman is on the back of the train that says Dewey beats Dewey Truman. Dewey beats Truman, yeah. Uh, so, of course, that's maybe even more famous than the Bush-Gore one because the Bush-Gore one sort of happened in real time the night of. Right, yeah. Uh, Truman-Dewey was a little later, so... Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, a big night curling wise for us here at the Ottawa oh, Curling yeah, big Club. Win tonight, big Sean. win tonight in the eighth end. Uh, we come through a strategy decision that perhaps the skip did not agree with, but, oh, but we forced him to do it. Forced it oh. up on him, and uh, and we get a big win tonight as oh. we continue our push to the club championship. You got that right. Uh, but. Apart from our big win tonight, uh, big things going on in the broader world of curling, Scott. The Grand Slam of curling kicks off as we record this tomorrow night, Tuesday, October the 22nd. The first event in the Grand Slam season Mm -hmm. kicks off. Before we get to that, though, we're going to talk about what we're looking forward to in the season. A couple things from this past weekend that were of interest. Sure. First off, I think the biggest story out of the weekend was out of the Canadiens events out there yeah big surprise right sean uh we have alina elena stern yes upsetting rachel holman in the final in an extra end too mm-hmm. uh she has to uh, she sco- scores two and eight and steals steals the extra end. yeah so a big win for a young team and you know i i've said repeatedly scott that teams like rachel holman they're more invested, I think, in the arena season than the curling club season. That that when the events are in the clubs, right. it's getting their legs, it's getting used to each other again and just that familiarity and getting back used to it. But this feels like a big win for a young team and who yeah. like I mean, they're playing this weekend. Yeah, that's right. right. In the in the Grand Slam, so it's a really nice stepping stone for them yeah, to, to move forward. They're probably the future of Swiss curling, right? Uh, we've seen uh, Tiranzoni uh, picked up some new blood last year and sort of extended what, what we think is her curling life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Team Elena Stern, they're, they're hot on the trails and, and pushing to be the representative at the next Olympics. So... You know, a step in the right direction here this weekend. Yeah, and if there's one thing we know about Swiss women's curling is that if you are the Swiss national team, you will win a world championship. That's right, that's right. At some point, as they all have. So I feel like all of them have, yeah. So uh, definitely big win there. Uh, fun weekend. Were you yep. able to catch any of it? It was streaming on CBC. It was streaming. I did not catch much of it. I caught a little bit here and there of it. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but not too too much of it but uh, a great win yeah for sure I don't yeah I don't think I got a whole game but little pieces here and there like you say uh, yeah great win for them and there was another event where there was a great win for Canada yes Canada wins the mixed world championship back to back championships for Canada in this event and they beat Germany in the final this is one of these things that's new in the curling calendar. For years and years and years, there was not a mixed world championship, but the World Curling Federation made the decision to put one forward. Part of the Grow the Game 
initiative, yep. and I think it works well with mixed doubles. That if you have countries that have a couple mixed doubles teams that go back and forth, hey, now they can play in a mixed world championship mm-hmm. as well. Our friend Jason, of course, from uh, Team Hong Kong, uh, he played in this event, had a great week. Yeah, great uh, week. I, they them. went four and three, and they beat eventual silver medalist uh, Germany and with skipped by Andy Cap. So a great win for them there. Finishing above 500 is, I'm sure, a real coup. Yep. Uh, they had fun. They played uh, Team Canada. It was pretty close, I think. I think they made him throw the, throw his last. But uh, that's all you can ask for, really. So yeah, like uh, lots of fun there in Aberdeen. Of course, uh, uh, Jonathan Havercroft from Rocks Across the Pond was there participating uh, for Team England. So uh, yeah, it looked like a great great event. Uh, lots of I, I like these big events where there's lots of different countries that have a chance to come and participate. We saw. Nigeria field their first team at a world curling event this week. So, yeah, overall, I think uh, a great job there in, in Aberdeen and and fun had by all. Yeah, I actually want to fact check you on that one. Nigeria participated in the uh, mixed doubles uh, last year. Oh, okay, okay. Of course. But, uh, but, but yeah, but you have a lot of other teams. Luxembourg is there. Yeah. Uh, Latvia, Poland, Slovakia, uh, Spain, Turkey, like the countries that you don't see regularly on the circuit so uh, a wonderful initiative there by the world curling mm-hmm. federation and to get germany in a final that's a, a not something you would expect i mean it's a name that we all recognize of course but yeah. uh, a solid uh, a solid performance for the germans there and uh, congratulations team canada colin kurz with megan walter brendan balaka and sarah oliver are your world champions in a 6-5 finish, they had to score two in the eighth end there, Scott, to get the win. So an exciting final. Sure, absolutely. And uh, we saw Norway pick up the bronze medal, uh, beating Korea 6-5. to five. So, Yeah, also scoring two in, in the, the eighth end. So uh, a really exciting final draw yeah. there. The, both the games were on at the same time, too. So, yes. uh, like, I'm sure a pretty exciting arena feel. Yeah, get your tickets. You for know, that one, yeah. Get in there. Uh, a couple other events that took place i just want to point out jamie murphy one of my favorite players lost a final to scott jones in the steel cup cash spiel out in fredericton makes me a little sad andrea crawford <laughs> though scott gets a win on the women's side of that event so a right good on. sign for her right and on. that team like that. um yop van dorp wins the curling masters in champery yep. beating thomas Olsrud there that Feels like a big deal for Yacht Van Dorp, a big win for him. Definitely a good win, yeah. Yeah, early in the season, for sure. Yeah, over an established team. And then the other one, the Medicine Hat Charity Classic, Karsten Sturme gets a win over Jason Gunlifson in the mm. final of that event. Nice win for Sturme. And we talked last year leading into the Alberta Playdowns how we were thinking a three-team competition there. Uh, we just forgot that Ted Appleman was the third team. We That's thought right. it would be Carson Sturme. Mm-hmm. So this year now, maybe it's a four-team event, and it's going to be – well, a three-team – I mean, Kevin Cooey's not there, but it's still a three-team event. And if you have four teams in Alberta overall that are going to be super competitive – that's going to be good. So uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think a nice win there for, for Carson Sturman. Definitely upping the uh, the curling ante yes. in the province of Alberta. Yeah, which doesn't really need any upping. No, you're right. You're right. I remember back in the day, Sean, do you remember this when uh, Randy Furby and Kevin Cooey and Kevin Martin not only played in the same province but played in the same club? Yes. Uh, they played out of the, uh, the Savile ever. Club. like. It's insane, right? Because a lot of times you have to win your club to go to the next level on the quest for provincials. Yep. And, like, one of the best teams in the world might not, well, definitely won't win their club. It's pretty crazy. It is. I know they all got in because they're very good at curling. But uh, But it's one of those things where that shift to having a team candidate on the men's side, that was the case for it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. how, How can we have these great teams? And... You win. You could win a world championship, and then not win the not province. W- not win your. Not even win your city. Yeah, like, like it's come on. It's kind of crazy. So, uh, so a lot going on, Scott. As now we lead into the television season, as the Grand Slam of curling is about to kick off. First event, the Masters, 
in North Bay, Ontario. That's and if right. you don't have your tickets, North Bay people, Nipissing University, one of my alma maters, go Lakers. If you don't have your tickets, you might be out of luck. Tickets have gone fast for this. Fast and furious. And I like how you said one of my alma maters. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Um, so uh, we saw the Women's World Championships in 2018 in North Bay, mm-hmm. and, and the place was packed. And I will say, as someone who has played hockey in that building mm-hmm. and officiated hockey in that building, it is the acoustics in there are great. And I know this, Scott, because one night in the Nipissing Recreational Hockey League, mm-hmm. there was a puck that was, we were on the power play and the other team iced it, as, as you do. Yeah. And as a defenseman, I was the first one back. And I was skating fast-ish back. And I was going behind the net and I just lost my edge. And I rammed into the boards. Fortunately, hip first. Like yeah, side, okay. I, I didn't go head first. Fortunately, it was hip first. And I hit the boards, and I was on the ice. And I remember thinking, acoustically, this was interesting because it felt like four or five seconds later, you could still hear the echo of me <laughs> slamming into the boards uh, at the Memorial Gardens. Uh-oh. That, uh, that sounds I was fine. interesting. Uh, <laughs> I was fine. But that place, when it's packed, and I haven't been in there when it's full for a couple different events, it is a, it is a, it's a really nice venue and the sound, you're sort of, the, the fans are on top of the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was great for the Women's World Championship. I'm looking forward to it this week. I think it's going to have the same vibe as what we got and what we will get again with the Conception Bay event, where it's right. going to be full. And it's a lot of fun. I know the players always talk about how it's way more fun when it's full. Sure. And for TV, it's better when it's full as well. Yeah, exactly. And and they're not going to start broadcasting till Thursday as is the usual for Sportsnet. But uh, that's when, you know, the games will be getting a little more important and uh, they should be able to draw more fans into the arena. I'm a little upset that I'm going away this weekend and won't be able to uh, take the road trip up to up to North Bay. Oh, it's Sean. a terrible drive. Well, you know. It's a terrible know. drive from Ottawa. But, it's, uh, but, yeah, so over the course of the season, of course, we're going to preview each of these events. But because, Scott, it's the start of the Grand Slam season, I want to talk more broadly about what we're looking for out of the Grand Slams. What are the things we're going to be looking for, not only in terms of leading into playdowns, provincials, and then mm-hmm. Scotties and Briar, but just on a broader scale, what, what are we excited to see? Are there specific things that we're going to look for in watching these games as we move forward? Because each of us, I know we have a couple different ideas of things that we specifically want to pay attention to over the course of the Grand Slam season. Absolutely, Sean. There's there's lots to watch for in this and how it relates to the broader world. So why don't I go first? Sure. Uh, what I'm looking for is I want to see how Brad Jacobs' new team sort of works their way through this Grand Slam season. I want to know if they're going to peak early, if they're going to maintain a high level of play. Mark Kennedy is such a great player that we've seen already he's been sort of seamlessly put into into the roster. But I want to see if they can maintain that over the course of a full season. It's sort of easy to say, oh, Mark Kennedy's a glue guy. He'll come in for one event and they'll do well. Sure. Which they did in, in winning you know, the, the Canada Cup last year. But I want to see how it works over a full season. And I think the Grand Slam season is sort of our litmus test, especially, I guess, leading up to playdowns. Yeah, I do think this is the or one of the most interesting subplots yeah. of the season because you're right. Mark Kennedy has a reputation that is unassailable. Sure. Really at this point. And whether or not he can come in there and it, it's not a case of him having to adapt to the other three, I think. I think it's the other three having to adapt to a calmer mm-hmm. style, like mm-hmm. a, a style that is, quite frankly, more prone to long-term success than what they were doing. Yep. So I think it's on the three other guys to follow his lead mm-hmm. at this point, and particularly Brad Jacobs, because yeah. what we saw, I, I'm, I'm really struck by seeing it in person. What we saw during the 2017 trials was somebody who had no chance of winning right. an event. 
Bad body language. Uh, terrible body language. He, at one point, it, was, it wasn't it was on TV, and, and this is the value, I guess, of being there live. Mm-hmm. He missed a shot and went to the other end and took his gripper and, like, slammed on the boards, like, seven, eight times in a row. Yeah. Like, that sort of stuff was completely unsustainable. Mm-hmm. So whether or not he can follow Mark Kennedy's lead will be the ultimate determinant of this team's success. Yeah, and I, I think they took a big step forward even last season uh, in in the wake of the Ryan Fry incident and everything. And even when he came back and was at the Briar, I, I thought Brad Jacobs was a much calmer player. Uh, they, they were talking a lot more positively to each other. Yeah. Uh, it, it seemed like he had really bought in to that change. Mm-hmm. Now, it didn't it didn't change the outcome. You know, they made the playoffs and lost two games and were out. But but I think it was a, a good step in the right direction. And I, I have to believe Mark Kennedy will reinforce this kind of more calm and collected Brad Jacobs. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I do just want to emphasize, too, that when we're being critical of Brad Jacobs, it's it should be noted that that team is one of the best teams in the world. Oh, yeah. right? There are two teams that have made the playoffs at the last five Briars. He's one of them. Yeah, that is not an easy feat. Now you can say, well, he's coming out of Northern Ontario; he has an easier path to get there. Okay, but but, but to make the playoffs is something totally different. So. Right, and he has had a stiff test the last two finals out of Northern Ontario too. So mm-hmm. even to get there for him the past couple of years with Tanner Horgan being in his way has been an accomplishment. So one of the best teams in the world. It's just if they can get to that level that we saw at the 2013 trials and 2014 Olympics again, which with Mark Kennedy, they can. Oh, easily. Yeah, easily. So, Sean, what is one of the things you're looking for? So one of the things I'm really excited to look for this year is now that we have more data mm-hmm. on the Five Rock Rule and the strategies with it, I'm, I want to see how teams play, particularly now, seventh ends. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is going to be... Like, very, very fun to watch. Yeah. So we, we saw it a couple times last year with Cooey and Holman. Uh, Cooey won an event this way. That's right. Where in the seventh end, if you are down by one point, you're going to go hard for the blank. That's the mm-hmm. strategy there. But if the other team is mixing it up and is successful in, in mixing it up, do you give them one or do you take the point and be tied? Yeah. Yeah, this strategy, it felt like over the course of the season, more teams were going to the be down two right. mode. Within the five rock rule, you can score the two if the other team's playing defensively, and you make your eight shots. Right. You should get two, right? But you also have a chance to get three. But yeah, you have a chance for three. So. Yeah, because they can't peel. Like if you throw your two corner guards, they can't peel straight away. Right. So you have two corners for sure, and you might be able to double corner or put one behind. Whatever you want to do yeah. with that. So that element of it really changes. So I'm curious to see if more teams go with that let's just be down two mentality. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious to see how teams up one without the hammer play this. Play that, yeah, yeah. And if there is some value in in knowing that the other team is going to play it open, do you sort of junk it up even more than you might have? Like, or even go like super aggressively, being okay with giving up the two two. at that point? Yeah. Because you know, as Russ Howard, of course, always say, you don't want to force them to two. But in this situation, situation, you actually might want to force them to two. To get that hammer to be down one yourself. Yeah, now that there's a a full year of eight end uh, records of of the five rock rule, of course we had, you know, we had the Grand Slam in 2018, was playing that way, 2017, 2018. But now we've got a chance to really like get into the data and see see how it affects the play on the ice, right? So that that's a really great thing I'm looking forward to seeing too and and here on this show we're going to try to get like get a little bit more into that yeah. data stuff uh, yeah. that you were talking about. Yeah. So that's something I'm definitely going to be paying attention to over the course of the season and the teams themselves as they get more information this will change 
of course, uh, over the over the season too. And the other thing too about that is, will the process of getting to that point change? Like, how hard do you go in those middle ends sometimes, knowing that if you're down three, you can come back a little. It's not quite as insurmountable as it used to be, given how good teams are defensively. So maybe in the middle ends, how aggressive are people going? Like, I'm curious to see that as well. But in particular, I, I'm really excited to see how these seventh ends, and in the, the Briar Scotties, the ninth ends, how they play out now. Uh, I think we'll get a different vibe over those ends. Yeah, I think that's uh, no question about that, yeah. for sure. Okay. So what else are you looking forward to here, Scotty? Well, one thing that I'm really, really interested to see is if Brendan Botcher's team can continue their sort of dominance on in the Grand Slam circuit. I, I believe they won two, if not three, events last year. Fact check me if I'm wrong, people uh, out there on Twitter. Uh, uh, the, but they definitely won at least two and, and maybe three. And so uh, this team... Uh, you know they they've been coming on the last two years and i want to see if they're if is this a team that's peaking too early olympic cycle wise or is it a team that can continue to rise in their dominance and i mean they've lost two briar finals in a row yep so so you can't like do much better than that without winning the briar right you'd have to right so so what I want to see is if their Grand Slam success can translate to 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 Canadian and then World Championship uh, performances. Yeah, so they they won three last year, Scott. Not only did they win three, they won the last three. That's right. Yeah, because because when we played fantasy curling, as we talked about last week with uh, Scott Chu, that everybody who was in on Botcher basically beat us in yeah. in fantasy curling. Yeah, and actually, what's interesting too, they did not play the in first three, three? Of the three. No, though they so they played, they didn't play in the Elite Ten. Great choice. They did not play in the Masters. They played in the Tour Challenge, though. Okay. And they made it to the final of that event. They did not play in the Canadian Open that won in January. Right there, so they made it to the final of every Grand Slam they played in last year, and they won three out of those four. That's pretty that's pretty darn good right i mean well you could win four but considering that in his career he had never made a final final. of a grand slam event that is a great season yeah so so the the thing about team botcher is they're they're obviously one of the best teams but we talked about earlier they have a very difficult province but i want to see that that they can take this next step i i i have no doubt that they will be one of the favorites at the curling trials in 2021. Yep. We saw them play in 2017 at the trials and they got in through the pre-trials. And I think that was a great experience for them. Yep. It'll really prepare them well for 2021. Yep. And I'm looking to see if this team maintains sort of that level of play. For sure. Obviously winning three Grand Slam titles is is, is excellent and very hard well, that's do. not sustainable. They're not going to win three uh, this year. I, you I, wouldn't I think imagine. so. No. You wouldn't think so. But uh, if they're consistently making the playoffs, consistently getting uh, maybe to semifinals, I I see like the uh, no reason why this team can't do it. Yeah, I, I, but like, so in terms of the meteoric rise of this team, I just want to say in the Tour Challenge in the twenty in twenty seventeen Tour yeah. Challenge, they were in the Tier Two event. Yeah, it's that's crazy, right? Yeah, and then last year they were in the final of that event of the main draw. The main, of that event. like it's yeah, yeah. like the, this team. The rise of this team has been incredible, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of credit goes to Darren Molding sure. for that. Yeah, uh, no, no question. I Kevin Martin doesn't talk about this a lot. Neither does actually Brendan Botcher, but I I have to imagine that Kevin Martin has been helpful. Yeah, at, at some level. In this in this process, so yeah, so the the botcher team is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And what's interesting though, in Alberta now, they've never been the favorites. Never. No. This year they will be the favorite with Cooey not in that field. Agreed for the provincial playdown. So 
it's a different vibe when you're going in as a favorite versus a nobody believes in us. Right. Right. Now there's an expectation for this team. Yeah. So as you were saying, let's see how they handle that. That's right. I want to see how they handle that level of expectation because, because like I said, I could see them in 2021 going in as one of the playoff favorites for the trials. And that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And, you know, n- not every team is ha- up to handling it. Brendan Bodger is one of the coolest customers in the business, though. I mean, he doesn't change his expression no. <laughs> very much at all between no. uh, between any shot. So Yeah. And as we talked about before, I love that he started to sit down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as, other teams, as the other team talks. I love this as just a psychological play of like, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to beat you anyway. I don't even need to pay attention at this point. Like, I love, I love that that side of what he started to do. Yeah, absolutely. And Darren Molding, Darren Molding's like an intense guy, but also a guy who can keep you loose at the same time Yeah, uh, somehow. And I know it was a while ago, but I was very impressed when he won the Canadian Mixed Championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to see that live. And I was able to talk to him after the draws through the, the playoff mm-hmm. rounds yeah. there. And sort of a guy who... It was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, this is great. And, like, he, li- he really likes what he does, but is going to keep you under control as well. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm very excited to see what happens with that, that squad this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's uh, next for you? So another one for me, this one, Scott, might seem a little esoteric. Great. And very specific. That's what I'm here for. But I am very curious to see how teams without the hammer – Excuse me, teams with the hammer. Okay, hold on. What? Yeah, so teams with the hammer, how they play their second's first stone this year. Hmm. Because this is something that it occurred to me over the summer, and now that we're playing back in the season again, right. that the team with the hammer, the second's first stone, in a lot of cases will determine what the end is going to be. Because... It's the first time mm-hmm. you can peel and start to play at the front. And, but if you just choose not to and you're playing into the house, because presumably by that point, if there's guards in play, you, the play is starting to come into the house, yeah. that will determine where the end goes. So I, I'm really curious to see if there's trends that emerge out of that rock. Okay. If we start to see a lot of peels, because last year it felt like a lot of peels. Yeah. And trying to open things up. So I'm curious to see if that is just something that is a confirmation bias on my part Mm -hmm. or if statistically it actually plays that people are opening up the front at the first opportunity. And if so, I'm also going to be curious to track whether or not the shooting percentage of those shots is super high. Right. Because presumably then a straight peel is an an easy shot for elite players. Yes. So I'm, I'm just curious to see how that particular shot plays huh. over the course of the season. That's interesting. One of the things you can mine out of the data is knowing whether because, – because what I noticed last year was a lot of teams were playing runbacks mm. with that shot, right? With the alternative being, okay, if we peel, it's fine. Right. So one of the things that you can mine from the data would be if the call was a runback – and they got a peel, it wouldn't get a perfect four out of four, right? It would be a three or maybe a two. Yeah, uh, depending on the score. Yeah. I, I've never scored a game, so uh, so I don't really know. But uh, it's an eerie, eerie sight out here, Sean. Just I was just looked at Yeah, the all, the, all the games are off. The games are all done. It's not even 11. Like, uh, Well, they should all be off. Anyway, it, se- it seemed like a bit of a quick draw. Anyway. So, so that's something that you should definitely be able to see to see from that data and track that because if teams decide if the peel is the call yeah. as you sort of surmise, then yeah, you're right. The shooting percentages for the second position should be much higher. Mm. But if we see the shooting percentages like a little bit lower, then maybe it was more runbacks that. Uh, that missed or tr- tricky draws, uh, hack weight hits. One of the thing, with the Grand Slam season, the the ice is so crazy cur- curly, yeah, that you can throw a hack weight and hit a dead buried rock. Yeah, nothing is inaccessible. Right. Yeah. So 
so you know like maybe you see that instead of the run back attempts uh, yeah who knows yeah and, th- and then i'll also be curious though to see if like i i want to follow this through the course of the grand slam season but then see what happens when we get to the scotties and the briar right because at that point the 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 whole thing changes because i i know there are stakes involved at the grand slams and the teams want to win and there's a lot of money, money. for the team yeah. that, that that ultimately gets that Champions Cup mm-hmm. and and wins the whole season. And I get that. But ultimately, these teams' goals at the start of the season is to win Briars and Scotties and to win World Championships. Yeah. That is their stated goal. So I wonder if teams through the course of the Grand Slam season might be willing to play a little more aggressively in those events and then once we get to the Scotties and the Briar, things become a little more conservative. Again, maybe confirmation right. bias, but I felt this last year that the Grand Slam events were a little more aggressive, more points, with the exception of Suzanne Burt. But overall, that the teams, once they got, especially the men's teams, once you got to the Briar, the first chance you could to bail. They were bailing. They were bailing. Yeah. And so I'm curious to track this over the course of the season in the Grand Slams and see if we notice a change statistically mm-hmm. once we get to the Briar and the Scotties. And another another thing to watch for then in this is that is there a different strategy for eight ends versus ten ends? Right. There's been so much chatter about changing the the national and international rules to to playing only eight ends so to see whether there's a real change in in how the skips call the game between the the eight end game and the ten end game will be interesting to track as well for sure and and where is the incentive in the first end or or in the ten end game to burn the first end right is there less of that incentive in the the eight end game, or or maybe even more of an incentive to get under that even end? Yeah, to to be honest, I found that the last three or four years at national championships, both Scotties and Briar, and perhaps this is Jennifer Jones being on TV all the time. The Jennifer Jones effect, she goes. But but most teams, especially in the men's game, go in the first end. Yeah, they go for it. So it could be a confirmation bias, like you say. We're watching more of the games with the teams that would do that. Yeah. But but I'm I'm interested to see the difference between the eight end games and the ten end games. For sure. And how that works. Yeah. All right. So let's go through. Let's go one more each. Things that we're looking forward to here in the Grand Slam season. Oh, I gotta come up with another one. Uh just to <laughs> say. Uh, um what okay. Uh, something I'm looking to track this year is how the the non Canadian teams what their level of participation will be in each of mm. each of the uh, Grand Slam events, and then how that translates to them having success in the in their own regions or at the world. So, be it Pacific Asia or the Europeans, the the, the schedule before the European Championship. I think there's two two Grand Slam events before the Europeans, uh, and I I don't remember when the Pacific Asians are Asia competition is. But what I want to see is is does playing more in these Grand Slam events translate to success at the uh, Europeans or Pacific Asian events? Right, and, and that's I think that's a really good point too because we saw last year with uh, Team Hasselberg that they won the first two, but then they the first two Grand Slams, but then they didn't play in the third one because they had to go back to back. Europe to play in the European Championships. Now, though, without the, the events, I, I, I do wonder if they've been staggered better. Uh, the Pacific Asia Curling Championships, the first week of November. Okay. Scott, so so just coming w- up uh, really soon. Yeah, so just one week, really, if they're playing this weekend. Yeah, so, uh, so really a, a tight schedule there for the, uh, the Pacific Asia. And mm-hmm. the, with one fewer Grand Slam, with no World Cup mm-hmm. this year, it seems like the schedule is a little more favorable to those non-Canadian teams in terms of travel. Traveling, for sure, yeah. Because we talked in one of our podcasts last year about the distance traveled between two events because they were happening back-to-back weeks. And we tried to track, say, like, oh, how how would certain teams do based on the distance they had to travel? Right. So 
looking at this year, you're right. The schedule is lighter given there's no World Cup for a lot of these non-Canadian teams, right? Because the Canadian teams were uh, rotating all the time. But we saw Anna Hasselberg play in all of the Grand Slam events. So for these teams that are not from Canada, easing the travel burden, we'll see yeah. how it, it affects their results. The, the Pacific Asians I looked, uh, they're in Shenzhen, yep. China. And the Europeans are in December, I believe, the first week of December, okay. usually. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. I, I want to track performance in these first one or two events to position in the uh, in their respective regional championships. Sure. And in terms of the teams playing this week at the Masters, uh, Team Yoshimura and mm-hmm. Team Fujisawa, Fujisawa yeah. are the, the two Japanese teams. Obviously, only one of them will be participating in the uh, Pacific Asia Championships. But, That's right. Uh, certainly on the women's side, you're not having a lot of crossover there uh, with the teams who will be who will have to sort of head over to China immediately after this event. So, yeah, I, I, I do th- think, though, that it's, it's a very good point that within the Grand Slam season, the European teams were, and the Asian teams, we're disadvantaged, mm-hmm. certainly, in terms of having to go back and forth more, obviously, than the Canadian teams. And now with fewer events overall, again, with the World Cup, one fewer Grand Slam, too, mm-hmm. does this make it a little easier for those European teams? And, and I think the team in particular is Nicholas Dean, sure. who the, the knock on him, if there is a knock on him, is that his performance in the Grand Slams has not been particularly good for someone who we consider top elite two, three in the world. Yeah, for sure. That his performance in those Grand Slam events has not been great. So you do wonder if if a lightening of the schedule maybe would help him. Right, and and all these curlers have a lot of miles on them at this point, you know, these elite curlers, so... I, I'm excited to to see if there's any change at all. I know last year it was sort of an anomaly because the points don't count for Olympic qualifying last year, the way everything uh, shook out. And some teams were trying to play a lot to get points to be able to go to Grand Slams this year. Yep. Some teams were playing a little lighter schedule. Like we saw Brad Gushu's team play a little bit lighter to sort of you know help rehab these injuries. That they might have suffered. So, so this year, yeah, I'm. I, I want to track specifically Grand Slam results to European and PACCs uh, results, and and so we'll talk about that at some point on the podcast for sure. And and then the other thing for me that I'm really looking forward to this year, I, I got to say, Scott, I think the most interesting province in the country right now on the men's side is Saskatchewan. Yeah. And I am very I excited to see how Saskatchewan plays out over the course of the season between Kirk Myers and Matt Dunstone. It, it's weird to say that that a two-team province, with all due respect to Ryan Clater, and, mm-hmm. and maybe Ryan Clater can, can do something. Sure. Uh, but that transition from juniors to men is exceedingly difficult. Also, I did not know this about Ryan Clater. Uh, or Kleider, I, I apologize if I'm saying his name wrong. He is a kicker. Yeah, he's a football player. Like I did not know yeah. this, um, but he. Okay, he's not a football player. He's a kicker. <laughs> yeah, but. right. Um, but but maybe maybe they can make that transition uh, quicker than some other other teams can. Yeah. But I really think Saskatchewan and those two teams, just to see them and how they're going to crisscross at some of these events over the next couple of months, I think that's so interesting. And they had a great final last year. Mm-hmm. Kirk Myers wins. And this year, you still got to think Matt Dunstone is the favorite. But that province is, one, they love curling there. It's mm-hmm. such a, a curling place. And whenever there's a, an event there, the crowd is so knowledgeable. They're so good. Yeah. But those two teams, I think going back and forth and, and just sort of trying to figure out who has the advantage going into the Viterra Championship. I think that's what it's called. Um, or maybe that's uh, Manitoba. But whoever goes into that, and honestly, like I think whoever wins the 1-2 game 
like we'll, we'll have a big a big advantage, a huge advantage. Yeah. But those two teams just going back and forth and seeing that play over the course of the season, I think that's super fascinating. And two young teams who I hope they both stay in Saskatchewan right. because that's must-see TV when that comes on yeah. in January and, February. And if one or both of them can make it to the trials, of course the trials being held in Saskatoon in yeah. 2021. And they're both pushing. Oh yeah, they're both put. They're playing a ton of events, trying to get those points. Yeah, we talked about that on the Kirk Myers uh, on our schedule episode about Kirk Myers' schedule. Uh, I think if both of them can push and get into that event, or at the very least, maybe qualify from from the road to the roar. Yeah, I that that building is going to be really buzzing. Yeah, I'm very excited to go. I'm going no matter what, Sean. <laughs> I told my friend Jenna. She's like, when are you coming to visit? And I said, Jenna, I'm going to come for the 2021 <laughs> Roar of the Rings because that's the only time something's happening in Saskatoon that I would like to go see. So, yeah, I, I, that's really good. Uh, I The road to the Olympics for those two teams I think is very interesting it's, to watch. Yeah, yeah I, I really do think on the men's side that is the most interesting province. You, can, you could argue British Columbia, Tyler Tardy, and that's Jim right. Carter, but... I, I don't think Jim Cotter is as interesting as either of the two Saskatchewan teams. Yeah, probably not. Right? Tyler Tardy has a, obviously a much bigger upside at this point yeah. in his career. So I, I really do think Saskatchewan is the most interesting province yeah. in the country right now. And those two teams is going to be great to and, see. And Tyler Tardy's uh, switch to men's when he's still got junior eligibility yes. is pretty incredible. It is. I feel like the only team that's ever, the only curler that's ever done that transition well, and you, I guess you call it a team, but it was John Morris in Ontario coming through. They made the 2002 Briar final, I believe, with Lang and Saville uh, playing front end. Joe Franz at third, of course, the great Joe Franz. The great Joe Franz. Uh, <laughs> but that's the only team I really remember able to make that jump from from juniors to men's relatively quickly. I think he won in 98, the world junior. So a, a pretty quick quick turnaround for, for a jump to men's. I know you're looking at this. Uh, yeah, eight on, and three, second place. Yeah, second place. I remember so, uh, I used to do ice with Joe, and uh, I, I remember he said uh, something on, he said, oh, we got to get rid of all this shit out of there. <laughs> and John said, Joe, we're on TV. <laughs> you can't swear. <laughs> I said that's that encapsulates Joe pretty pretty well. So that that's the only team I remember. We'll see what Tyler Tardy's team can do. Uh, so I guess that's my yeah my extra thing of what I'm looking for for the yeah. year. So uh, so there you go. So that's what we're looking forward to over the course of this Grand Slam season. As we go through the season, of course, we'll talk about the specifics of what's happening on the ice and whether or not the things we're looking forward to playing out we'll see how they of course play out we'll take a look at some of the numbers and the analytics as they come out as we get more information more data to see how teams are playing the strategies also in terms of not only shooting percentage but things like hammer efficiency force efficiency we'll see where the gains are there and how teams are playing you know, I think over the course of the past couple of years, we have established that there is, I'm comfortable saying this, Scott, that there is a correlation in mixed doubles between the effect or the efficiency with, with which you hammer. use your uh, power play, uh, power play yeah. to your winning percentage. Uh, I'm comfortable saying that there's a correlation between those things because at every event, mm-hmm. the teams that are high on the power play efficiency are higher in the standings. And I, I think it has something to do with when teams are winning using the power play, but we'll dig into that. Yeah, like so So we're, we're going to take deep, deeper dives into these numbers over the course of the season to get a set for those 2021 trials and yeah. to see where teams are trending and so on and so forth. So, Scott, Grand Slam is back. We're playing fantasy curling. If you have not signed up for fantasy curling and it's still – there's still time as we release this on Monday night. Do go to Curling Zone, yeah. sign up for Fantasy Curling and play. It's basically a daily fantasy 
system, you get 40,000 fictional dollars. Each of the teams participating are assigned a value. You pick six teams, three men's, three women's. As long as you're under the $40,000, you're good. Select your teams, and there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. play fantasy curling. It's really fun. Yeah, and do uh, check out our last episode with Scott Chu, who invented fantasy curling and built the whole thing. He invented it. That's it. We're, we're calling him the inventor. Yeah, so, uh, so check it out. But, Scott, because we're back in the Grand Slam season, we're back in our pick season, of course. Yeah. And that means that our competition between each other returns. Therefore, we need to make our own picks. And I will remind everybody of what the rules for the picks are, Scott. That we R- each Remind me, Sean. <laughs> is that we each pick four teams for the playoffs. You get one point if the team makes the playoffs. And you pick your winner. And if you get the winner correct, you get two points so so we're picking four teams yeah so there's a maximum of 10 available points per event over the course of the season with fewer events scott it makes it more important than ever to be accurate on your picks yeah sean have you got pools available i can't find pools on the grand slam the grand slam does not have pools no so there are pools is what we know but we're just going to pick based on who who are the teams there yeah, so I'll right. go first Yeah, because I have it up. I'm going to go with uh, Team Botcher. Of course, three straight events in a row um, winning. you got to go with that. I'm going to go with, uh, the, of course, Brad Jacobs, Northern Ontario. I'm a big fan of Brad Jacobs in Northern Ontario yeah. where people are actually cheering for him, which doesn't happen in other parts of the country. Give me... Team Moet as well. Uh, I really like that team. Always fun to see them on the TV. And, of course, Nicholas Adin as my fourth team for the playoffs there. I'm going to go with Brad Jacobs to win, as I did last year when the event was in, I believe, the Sioux. Maybe it was Thunder Bay. Uh, And I'm a huge believer of Brad Jacobs in northern Ontario. All right, John, I had autocorrects on uh, all of these picks. So uh, do you want to guess what Moet autocorrected to? I don't even know. Moist. Oh, okay. Uh, Interesting. Good stuff, right? All right. I'm going to take uh, Team Gushu, Sean. Uh, they're, they're sort of struggling so far. Oh, that autocorrected to Gushiest. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take them. I'm going... To also take Brennan Botcher because uh, they showed they won the last three, so why not? Right? Uh, the other team I'm going to take is Team DeCruz. Team DeCruz. And for the last team, boy, I'm struggling here. You know what? I'm going to take Team Cooey. Okay. Team Cooey, uh, one of the you know top teams in the world. Why not take them while they're out there? What was the third team I said? <laughs> oh, Kui. Okay. I mean, there's not that many teams, Scott. Eight make the playoffs. We Ku- should be fine here. Kui autocorrected to Joe. So, uh, women's side. You taking? Are you going to be brave and take Alina Stern? So there's 15 teams. Eight make the playoffs. It's not that hard. I'm not going to take Alina Stern. I'm going to stick with the classics. Jennifer Jones. Jones. Obviously, I'm going to take Jennifer Jones. I'm also going to take Anna Hasselberg because they are the best in the world, with the potential exception of Holman, who I am also going to take here. And then... <laughs> I don't know what, what Holman autocorrected to. Hi, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then as my uh, fourth team, give me Carrie Anderson. I will take Team Anderson. Uh, they, of course, won an event a couple weeks ago out there at West uh, in Calgary. So I will take them. And I don't really want to know it. Carrie Anderson autocorrected to. They autocorrected to Einstein. You know, she is a curling genius. So I'm okay with that. So there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, I'm going to take Holman and Hasselberg as well. Oh, who did you take to win? Sorry. Oh, of course. To win, give me Jennifer Jones. J- 
Chad, we're still here. Uh, yes, the light just turned out uh, here at the Ottawa Curling Club. Okay. Uh, and for me to win, I pick uh, Botcher. Okay. And on for the, the men's. Yeah, and on the women's side? On the women's side, Sean, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to take... What did I say? I'm going to take Hasselberg as well? Yeah, you said that. Yeah, okay. I'm going to take Hasselberg. I'm going to take uh, Team Fujisawa. Okay. I like that. It's a good pick. Yeah. They're I, fun to watch. I, I really like watching them. You know what? I'm going to take as well Team Muirhead. I think uh, they're due for a, a big event. Okay. And you know what? Give me Team Stern. Coming off a big win. Yeah, it's a good pick. You yeah. go with the momentum. I like it. Yeah, and uh, to win, I'll take Hasselberg, I, I think. I think it's a safe bet. That's the safest of my risky bets. All right. So there you have it. Yeah, so those are our picks for the opening Grand Slam of the season. The Masters, as we said, coverage on Sportsnet starts on Thursday evening. So definitely check it out. Uh, it's the off day of the World Series on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So Sportsnet can show it over the course of the weekend. You're going to have to probably check your listings as the World Series will bump the uh, the Grand Slam around to various Sportsnet outlets but uh, curling back on tv no more youtube streams all that so uh, definitely check it out we'll be back with you next week with a new episode scott is traveling we'll see what we can figure out to get something out there uh, if i have to go solo i, I can do that uh, but, we'll uh, figure out we'll something. figure out something uh, so that i don't have to do that because nobody wants that nobody wants that no so uh We'll be back with you next week. Please do, if you've not yet, subscribe to the show. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, it might be there, I don't know. Uh, But certainly it's on Stitcher, TuneIn, all those other places. Uh, So please do subscribe, leave ratings and comments, all that good stuff to grow the show and allow other people to find us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at Game of Stones Pod. Scott is on both of those platforms, at ScottLikesTV. I'm on Twitter, at Dr. Shawnee Fever. And as always, you can email the show with any questions or comments at GameOfStonesPodcast at gmail.com. So enjoy the start of the TV curling season. We know we will, and we'll be back with you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert.